Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. The Lord, if you'll respond by saying thanks be to God. I'll start in verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things." Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. Good. Um, I have a sense that the Lord wants to do something special today, something uh, new among us, in our lives, in our hearts, in our families, and um, I don't often feel that way, but I do today. And, uh, and as I sat over here and, and looked at these families stretched across the stage, it, it to me is a picture of new life and, uh, and a new work that God is doing among us and that I believe he's been doing among us, preparing the soil for, but I believe, um, I believe something new begins today. Amen. Yeah, so let me pray with that in mind. Let's, let's prepare our hearts with great faith. Uh, to hear from him whatever he wants to say to each of us, okay? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, again we bow before you. And bowing our heads, but our hearts as well. Lord, we humbly, we humbly acknowledge you as God, Lord, Master, King. And we are your creation, And we look to you, God, and we ask you today, would you move among us? Would you touch each soul in this room? We ask, Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do through your word? And would you cause faith to well up inside of us, even now, expectant faith, to hear a word from you? And would you cause this message to bear fruit? Four generations, we ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, some of you I don't know yet. I hope to to meet you before you leave here today. My name is Ben. Um, And uh, this church is a relatively young church. We've been around for uh, about... Five years or so. 
Um, let me show you a picture that some of you have probably never seen. We got it back there, yep. Um, this is a picture of the beginnings. Uh, this is a picture from about five years ago. And when I look at this picture, it brings back so many memories. Uh, this was a stage in our church when there was about 12 of us uh, gathering, 12 adults, a few kids, and um, all of us did whatever needed to be done as a church. And I remember there was a Sunday, Tiffany, my wife, uh, she is amazing. She's in the back with the kids today. She was leading worship at that time. And I remember she asked me one Sunday to, uh, to help her. She didn't have anybody to help her, and she did not want to do it alone. And so she asked me to play guitar and sing. And those of you who, who know me, you say, I didn't know you played guitar and sing. Well, I don't. <laughs> And um, everyone who was there that Sunday, we've never seen them again. They, <laughs> they all decided that this was not something they wanted to be a part of. Um, but those were fun days, those early days in the church. And, and God did so much in our midst. He, he was working and moving in spite of our smallness in, in those early days. We started New King because we had seen the overwhelming grace of God for us in Jesus, and we couldn't get over it. And so, um, so New King was an overflow of a passion for Jesus Christ and for his gospel. We wanted other people who didn't yet know Jesus to come to know him. And, and that's, that was our motivation as we gathered week in and week out. We dreamed together. We dreamed of helping as many people as possible find and follow Jesus. We dreamed together of having baptisms and seeing disciples grow in their faith. We dreamed together of planting churches out of this church that we were calling New King. And God has done those things. Friends, God has blessed this work. He has moved. His hand has been upon us. His favor has been upon us. From the beginning, we set out to do this together as a family, obsessed with even blown away by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, the Mercers were a part of that in the beginning. Yeah. Jesse Sprague, where is she at? Is she in the room? Yeah, Jesse was, was uh, part of that in those early days. And, um, and God continued to add to our numbers. Um. In our study so far, we're, we're in this study going through the book of 1 Timothy. We have been seeing that God's church is, is his family, his household. It's the household of God. And we've seen that in this household, there are things that, that he requires of us. He wants us to be a, a family that has 
sound doctrine or healthy doctrine so that we can be a healthy family, so that we can represent him well. He wants us to guard the teaching of the church to make sure it comes straight from the word of God and that we remain submitted to the word of God. Amen. We have seen that um, there are certain expectations upon those who lead in the church and that there are roles, different roles for men and different roles for women in the church and that God has specifically called qualified men to be pastors of the church. We've looked at that the last couple of weeks together. But that we also saw that that character and that way of life that he's calling those pastors of the church uh, to, he's calling all of us to. And today, we're going to learn from this passage about this office of deacon. And um, And what we're going to see today, we're we're going to focus in today on just a few things. I have a simple message. We're not going to rehash the certain qualifications in here that are repeats of qualifications for elders. I think Eric did a masterful job explaining that to us last week. And so today, we're going to look at three things from this text. We're going to look at this word deacon. What is it? What's that? What is this getting at? Secondly, we're going to look at at verse 9 in the text that they must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And then thirdly, we're going to really focus in on verse 13, that those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. That's where we're headed. So let me start out with this idea of deacon. What is it? The word in the Greek is diakonos. And it means servant. A deacon is a servant. And actually, that same root word is also the word that gets translated to minister or ministry. So to be a minister is to be a diakonos, a a servant. To, To minister is to serve. Did you know that? So there's a text that uh, churches talk about, leaders in the church talk about, is that it's in Ephesians chapter 4, and it says that the leaders of the church, that Christ has given leaders in the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. If you've been around the church, maybe you've heard that. Do you know that that word is diakonos? To equip the saints for the work of service. We as a church, are all called to this. This passage specifically talks about those that are uh, appointed to the office of deacon, right? And, and, and in order to be appointed to the office of deacon, you need to be above reproach and, and, and you need to have a, a life worth imitating you know, if you're going to be sort of highlighted by the church. But this, what, what we're talking about here applies to every one of us, if any one of us wants to serve in Christ's kingdom. You follow me? So, deacons. This is a man or a woman. So this is talking about men and women serving together to advance the gospel. Um, if, If you look at it, 
if you look at the, the pronoun being used in this first section of chapter 3 about elders, it's, it's the pronoun he. And then when it gets to deacons, it changes to the pronoun they because this can be men or women. Um, I just finished in my own personal reading going through Romans. And at the end of the book of Romans, um, Paul addresses the, the church in Rome and he talks about uh, the elder, I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, the deacon, Phoebe. In, in Romans 16.1, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, and the ESV translates this, a servant of the church at Crinse. That is the word diakonos. Phoebe is a deacon in the church. And then as you read the letter, you get a little glimpse into Paul's life. You get a little glimpse into the way that his ministry runs. Because as you read the end of this letter, this closing, these greetings, he's greeting all these believers that he's friends with in Rome. And, and, he, talks, and, and he talks about husbands and wives working together fellow workers in Christ Jesus. He talks about Mary who worked hard for you. He, he talks about uh, this woman who was a mother, like a mother to him, and Julia who was a sister to him. And, and he's honoring these women. He's, he's mentioning these men and these women together. And what you see that's very clear about Paul's ministry is that it took men and women Linking arms, striving together for the sake of the gospel so that the gospel could advance. I love this picture. Men and women side by side for the advance of the gospel. And from day one, that's been true of New King. New King Church would not be here today, I promise you, if it were not for some amazing ladies in this church. For example, Hannah. Hannah is our operations manager, which is to say she does anything and everything from making graphics to discipling women to watching kids to leading kids ministries to, I mean, she does everything. If, if it was not for her, we wouldn't be here. Or Amy Miles, who organizes uh, women's brunches and, and considers them and, and mulls over them so that they can be edifying for the ladies and who serves in our kids' ministry and who shows up here when nobody's around and helps clean the church so you can go to a clean bathroom when you get here. Or Elissa Birds, who's stepped up to the plate to lead our family ministries uh, when the person who was leading our family ministries moved. And, um, and she said, well, I, I don't know how to do that, but I'm sure I can figure it out if it needs to be done here at the church. Or Carrie Thompson, who works alongside Elissa to lead our kids to know and love Jesus. Or Annette Carter, who teaches our kids so faithfully and spends time through her week thinking ahead of time how to make the teaching engaging and fun. And she thinks through crafts and and does an amazing job with those kids. Or my wife, Tiffany, 
It's not easy being the wife of a church planter. I personally don't know anyone that has made the sacrifices that she has made for the sake of Christ's church. Praise God for our lady. Praise God. Or Lucy Clark, who's one of our do-it-all ladies, um, who's helped lead hospitality, put plan and put together fall festivals, host community groups, serve in nursery, and so many more. Jessie Sprague, who's poured herself out over and over and over and over again for years now, or, or Blair Guthrie, or Liz Batchelis, or Christina Riley, or Rachel Mercer, or Deb Dinsmore, and on and on and on I could go. And if I didn't mention you, I'm sorry. There are so many ladies in this church that are doing the work of ministry. And we want to honor them. Ministry is service. This is what it is to be a Christian. This is what it is to serve Christ's church. How is it that that these ladies and so many others like them, and the men as well, I just wanted to highlight the ladies today, who pour themselves out week after week, how is it that they do that without without getting sick of it and walking away? How do we do that? That's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about. I want to give you four, four ways to continue loving this, to keep loving this service to the church. So, point number one, drink from the well of grace. Drink from the well of grace. Look at verse 9 about deacons. It says, they must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. In order to be a deacon, you have to know And understand the gospel. But you also have to let that gospel, that good news, get down inside you. You, You've got to hold on to it and let it hold on to you. You've got to drink from the well of his grace. Because here's what I know. Gospel intoxicated people look at opportunities to serve the church and they say, I get to do that I get to serve Christ's body like that? Sign me up. Do you know what he's done for me? Sign me up. Grace motivates us like nothing else. When the gospel gets deep inside of you, it fundamentally changes you. It changes what you live Four, listen to this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.15. We'll have it here. Christ died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. So what do they live for? But for Him who for their sake died and was raised. 
when the gospel gets deep inside of you, when you drink from the well of grace, it changes what you live for. It changes what motivates you. We, we are discipled by this culture to be relentlessly self-focused. Are we not? To be unbelievably obsessed with me. Are we not? How's that going? I mean, I mean how, how, how's that really working? It's, it's pretty awful, right? I mean, it's a terrible thing to live for, and it's destroying our country, not to mention individuals' lives. The gospel comes in and says, you were made for another, and guess what? He died for you. He, he laid his own life down for you. So stop obsessing with yourself and start obsessing with him. Yeah. And start living for him. Start laying your life down for Him. And it's, it's for that reason that it can say in verse 10, look, look at this in verse 10, let them serve. Let them be tested first, then let them serve. It's, it gives you this picture of, of people in the church like, climbing over each other, clamoring for the opportunity. No, 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 I want to I do it. I want to do it. Who are we going to let do this? If only that were true in the church today. He says, let them serve. If, if they are qualified. We need a shift and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, too. We need a shift in our thinking in America that to serve is a privilege. Why? Because when we serve, we look the most like Jesus. Jesus himself said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus, the King, the Lord of the universe, He came and He said, I didn't come here so you could serve me. I came here so I could serve you. This is our Lord who wrapped a towel around His waist on the night that He was laying His life down, mind you, for His disciples, for us, he wraps a towel around his waist, gets down on his knees, and he cleans filthy, dirty feet. That's Jesus. And if you want to be like Jesus, then that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. It's to serve. To live no longer for yourself, but for him. So in a healthy church family among those who have become intoxicated by the gospel, who've, who've drunk deeply from the well of grace. They want to serve. Which means that healthy church families are made up of 
contributors, not consumers. Contributors, not consumers. Again, we are, we are trained day in, day out, week after week, year after year, to think like consumers, and we bring it into the church. And this is nothing new. As much as this is a part of our culture, it's still nothing new. In Acts chapter 6, when um, this idea of deacons first emerges, the office of deacon is, is first rising to the surface. What it says in Acts chapter 6 is, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose. So as the church making more disciples is growing, guess what happens? A gap emerges. There's something they should be doing that they're not doing. They should be feeding the this certain group of widows, and they're being missed in the daily distribution. And so a legitimate complaint emerges. Oh, this is something that should be happening, and it's not. And so this is where the first deacons show up in Scripture. So, so what, what we know is that when the church is growing, when it's healthy, when disciples are being made, there are legitimate needs that arise and people need to step up and, and meet those legitimate needs, right? Bring it. But there's another kind of complaining that's just sinful. And, and it comes from this consumer Christianity. And, and it's a kind of complaining that has me at the center of my view of the church. And I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody in the room, but maybe you know someone. It's this view of church that sees this family of God, not as a family, but as a distributor of spiritual goods and services. And... And I am its customer. And so I come in and I'm looking at those spiritual goods and services and I'm saying, here's what I would like. I would like, you know, worship to be like this and, and about this long and these are the types of songs in the style and this is the kind of preaching and the preacher that I like. Shirt tucked in, shirt untucked, I don't know. Jeans, no jeans, uh, Right? And he's got to obviously agree with everything that I think. And it's got to have the perfect programs that I want. And that, friends, I say this out of love. That is a blight on the church in the West, it is a plague to Christ's church. And if you have that mentality, I beg you, change your mindset for your own sake. I don't say this to try and make you something different for us. I am saying this genuinely out of love. You've got to change your mindset or you you will stunt your growth. You will never grow beyond a certain point. 
You are a member of a family. We want you to be a member of this family. If you are a Christian, we want you to be a member of this family, but that means there's work to do. Good, worthy, God-glorifying, Christ-exalting work to do. And it will take all of us together to get it done. And if you will shift your mindset from consumer to contributor, you will grow. And you will have more joy. And God will bear fruit through your life. Romans 16, 17 through 18 As Paul is closing out his letter, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions. Avoid them for such persons. Do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And and so I'm going to move on from this, but this is the last thing I want to say. So if you're here to serve your own appetites, you need to stop. You will cause divisions. You will grumble about things you don't like, and it will spread like gangrene through the church. And I'm not saying this because I think it's happening right now. I'm just saying it because it's what what God put on my heart this week. It's what's coming out of this text. Don't come here seeking to satisfy your own appetites, but come seeking to know and love and serve Jesus Christ, and you will be blessed. All right, so that's the first point. Drink from the well of grace. Point number two, serve with your sword in hand. Here's here's what I need to say about this. So here, among those who are working to make this possible, We've seen a rise in, in burnout, starting with myself back in the uh, spring, um, a rise in burnout, weariness, uh, exhaustion, and even just disenchantment of, of what about this church. And I just want to point out that that is, I think, I, I firmly believe that happens when the enemy plans a coordinated attack. When you begin to see things happen like that in mass, when we link arms together to, to serve the advancement of the gospel in the world, know that the enemy will come against it. A great example uh, of this, a parallel story to this in the Old Testament is the story of Nehemiah. God calls Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem and, and to do this great work to, to build the wall around Jerusalem. And as soon as, the, as soon as he rallies people and they come together and they link arms and they begin to build the wall, enemies come out of the woodwork and they try to attack the work. And I love Nehemiah's response to it. I mean, he, he sees it for what it is. He sees that it's, that it's enemy tactics, and he keeps on building. Listen to what he says in Nehemiah 4, 14 through 15. He's, he says, I looked and arose. 
and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Sounds like a good movie scene, right? <laughs> he's, he's like, don't fear. We're doing a good work here. Let's fight for each other. He's encouraging them to continue to lock arms. He says, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. He labored with one hand and he held a sword with the other. When you choose to serve in, in Christ's kingdom, know that you are joining a war. Know that, as Paul puts it, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and against forces of evil in the heavenly places. Know that when you serve, you are engaging in war. So serve with, with one hand and keep your sword in the other. And that includes any type of service in the church. So whether you are running sound or loving on babies or discipling our kids or cleaning toilets or making coffee or shaking hands and greeting people at the door or playing an instrument or singing or bringing food to a community group or hosting a community group or starting a D group or painting lines in the parking lot, you're playing a crucial and necessary part in seeing the light of the gospel advance in a dark world. And because you are playing a necessary and a crucial part, you will experience warfare. And so expect it. And so what do you do in return? You pray. You pray like your life depends on it because it does. You know if you stop praying, you will die spiritually. And so pray like your life depends on it. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray, pray, pray. And guess what? Today, we are, we are handing out booklets for 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. We, this is something that the Lord put on our hearts weeks ago, and God would have it aligned with this Sunday that we're beginning this. And I believe this is the beginning of a powerful move of God in our church. And so we have booklets in the back on your way out, but don't leave right now. But, but <laughs> these are guided. We want, we want to pray unified together. Every day there's time for you to pray, and then every day there's time for you to just listen and write what the Lord is speaking to you. We want to hear from God. We want, to, we want to encounter God together. And this will be powerful in driving back and pushing back the enemy's attacks on this church. So serve 
with one hand and keep a sword in the other. Three, serve for Jesus with Jesus. Serve for Jesus with Jesus. Um, It says in verse 13, those who serve well. Those who serve well. Um, And so it isn't just serving that, that we're talking about here, but serving well. How do you serve well? You, you serve for Jesus. You do it for Him. That's the right motivation because He has, has taken a hold of you and transformed your life and poured out grace upon you, and so you do it for Jesus. It's not for, it's not for new king. It's, it's, not for, it's not for you. It's for Jesus. And so we serve well by serving for Him. And, and this is what it looks like to serve by faith. You know, the Bible says that apart from faith, we cannot please God. In Hebrews 11.6. Apart from faith, you cannot please God. And so your service must be service done in faith. And the best way I know how to explain how that is done is that you are serving for Jesus and you're serving with Jesus. You're doing it with the motivation that I love him and I want to do this for his sake. And yes, this costs me something and he is worth whatever it costs. And I do it with him. And so I am desperately dependent upon him to empower me for service. And yes, that includes making coffee and vacuuming floors. It includes everything we do. We do it abiding in Him, with Him. That's how we serve well. We we serve well for Jesus and with Jesus. And why, why is it so important that I say that? Well, I believe that as our faith wanes, this is what I've experienced personally, As my faith wanes and I lose sight of why I'm serving, then I begin to to carry the load on my own. But this is what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. You remember that? Back in Matthew a couple years ago? (laughs) Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Yes, there's a yoke. Yokes are used for work. Yes, there's a burden, but it's an easy yoke. It's a light burden if you do it with Him. And when we lose faith, and we lose sight of why we're doing it, and and who we're doing it with, we take the burden on ourselves and it will crush us. So we have to serve with right motives for Jesus and with right dependence with Jesus. Finally, in order to continue to love serving for the long haul, we need to know that to serve is to grow our faith. To serve is to grow your faith. Look at verse 13 with me. I love the way 
the, uh, the NIV translates this, and I think it's actually a little bit more correct. Um, because in the ESV in particular, it says those who have served well as deacons, that word, they threw that in because of the context, because it's talking about deacons. Um, because it's talking about an office there. But it, in the original language, this is what it says. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Those who have served well end up having a great assurance in their faith or a great confidence in their faith. Serving increases your faith. Serving the right way with the right motives and the right dependence on Christ. It increases your faith. And this is so important. Why? Because when we serve in our own strength and we get tired and we, and we become weary, what happens? We pull back from serving. And sometimes it's those who've been in the church for the, the, the longest, for decades, who give up on serving. If that's you, I want to talk to you. It's probably because you got burned out at some point. You, you went too far for too long and you said, I'm done. But I want to encourage you to step back in. Don't believe that you need to withdraw in order for your faith to remain strong. Those who have served well, those who serve our Lord Jesus well, grow their faith. I am compassionate towards those that are in that spot. You've been in the church for a long time and you don't want to do it again. I've been in burnout. I'm compassionate. But I want to, I want to lovingly challenge you to step back in and believe that He'll meet you there. He will meet you there. And He will grow your faith. What if we do this as a church? What if we do this? Well, I believe we will be used mightily by the Lord. I believe this mindset, this shift in our thinking about the church from consumer to contributor, I think this can radically change what the Lord is able to do through New King Church. I believe if we will individually make this shift. It will open up doors of possibility for the Lord to do incredible things in our own walk with Him. Amen. What if you don't know Jesus today? Well, here's what I would say to you. You're here for a reason. It's not a mistake. I believe in a God who controls circumstances I believe if, if somebody invited you or you, however you ended up here, it wasn't an accident. God is watching you. He's after you because he loves you. What the scriptures say is that Jesus, the son of God, came to earth 
to live as a man, to live a perfect life as a human being and never sin against the Father. And then in our place, Jesus Christ went to the cross and took the penalty for our sin and rebellion against a holy God. He died because the penalty for sin is death. He was buried. But on the third day, the King of glory, Jesus Christ himself, sat up and walked out of the tomb. And he, yes, and he offers life to everyone, anyone who will turn from their sins to him and believe in his name and cry out to him for mercy. He gives mercy. He gives forgiveness. And beyond that, he gives new life, a brand new life. Will you take it? Will you take it today? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life as an offering, as a sacrifice, as a payment for our sin, for taking our place. Lord, thank you for modeling service to us all the way to the cross. And Lord, if there is any sliver in us that doesn't want to be like you, Change our hearts, God. Put that to death in us. Give us life. Through your life, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen.